What is up, people? And thank you all for listening in to this edition of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We got a really great show lined up for you guys today. Um, it seems like there's some movement amongst the NBA Players Association, some of the stars of the NBA in regards to support for restarting the N- NBA season this year. So I'll get Kendall's thoughts on that. Also, a major Major League Baseball player, um, one of the star players of the league, comes out very strongly against a proposal uh, for MLB to resume or start its season. So we'll talk about those comments as well. And there's some controversy regarding uh, Zion Williamson going dating back to his time at Duke. And it seems like this could end up being a long legal battle that, you know, could leave Zion and especially Duke potentially un, uh, non, uh, not unscathed. Uh, this, this could end up being a certainly a interesting situation. So got a good show for you guys. We got Kendall's court at the end of the show. Kendall joins me today. Uh, as he does every week or most weeks. Kendall, I do want to talk a little bit briefly. I want to give a massive shout-out to uh, Memphis assistant coach Cody Topper, who if you guys uh, listen to the podcast that was posted um, earlier this week or if you uh, even caught us on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, you'll see that we had a, a really good conversation mm-hmm. with the Memphis assistant coach about you know not just uh, his time at Memphis and some of the players he's coached at Memphis, but also – um, his experience in the league, having been an assistant coach with the Suns, having worked in the G League for a long time. I just thought that was a really awesome conversation. I was wondering what your uh, any parting thoughts on, on that, that chat we had with Cody. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was great. Uh, the feedback has been, uh, has been strong in terms of, you know, obviously the interview was, I thought, you know, obviously I thought we did a good job with the interview, but a lot of feedback on how impressive Cody's operative, you know, you know, he's a, he's a very smart guy and, uh, had a lot of interesting insight on um, on not only you said the college basketball game, but the NBA game. You know how to analyze and evaluate certain certain talents, whether it be a Devin Booker or you know we mentioned James Wiseman and Preston Shua. So we had a, we got into a lot. You know, I would suggest if you haven't uh, going back and listening to that because uh, it's 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 a uh, it's a fun listen. It's a fun watch for anyone that. Uh, that really enjoys basketball. Uh, you really don't have to be a college basketball fan to like it. You really don't have to be an NBA fan to like it. It's just it's it's uh, food for thought. So I, I thought it was I thought it was I thought it came out great, and uh, I'm excited uh, that people liked it. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, yeah, no, yeah, no doubt. I thought that it was uh, it was really strong. Um, I feel like if you guys have not checked it out. You guys definitely should. And one of the things when we came into 2020, we spoke a lot about, I mean, not on this show. We, we did hint it a couple of times that, you know, we do want to try to, you know, bring some really awesome voices to, to this channel, um, whether it be basketball, whether it be the other topics we talk about. And I think we've done a little bit of that with Coach Nick from Basketball Breakdown and Coach Topper from the Memphis Tigers. And we're still working to get some more people on here um, for the rest of this year. So as we continue to grow as a channel, whether it be our YouTube channel or our podcast network, you'll hopefully see more of that. I know you guys you know, come on here and you listen to us or you watch us on YouTube and you expect to get our perspectives. And trust me, we enjoy giving it out. But we think that it's also going to be beneficial for you guys to hear people that we like to hear um, and, and people that, that kind of inspire us or, you know, um, people that, you know, kind of 
give us knowledge about the game of basketball or football or or even superheroes and Star Wars and things like that. So um, shout out to Coach Topper. Shout out to uh, the Memphis, whole Memphis staff. And um, and make sure you guys check that out. Again, it's on our podcast network, which I don't know if I mentioned before. Um, I think I did uh, on Hero Talk, but uh, on Sports Talk, I'll mention it here. We are now officially also on Spotify. So that's an important detail one to get out there if I haven't said it already on Sports Talk. New Generation Sports Talk, the whole New Generation Podcast Network is on Spotify. I think it's been on there for a while. I can't tell you exactly how long, but we discovered this fairly recently. So we're pretty much on pretty much most of the major spots you'd find a podcast. So of course, you know, we always talk about Apple Podcasts. We always talk about SoundCloud. We're on Stitcher. We're on TuneIn. And now uh, Spotify is, is another one that, that we're on. So if you guys have Spotify, make sure you make sure you subscribe. Make sure you download our shows and check them out because we're going to keep bringing out this content despite this uh, obviously tough situation with the coronavirus pandemic. And speaking about the pandemic, let's talk about some of the things we're hearing out of the NBA. So uh, this week, some of the NBA's biggest stars rallied together to confirm support for resuming the 2019-2020 season. Yahoo's Chris Haynes reported that uh, there was a private phone conversation uh, among several players, including LeBron James, Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Kawhi Leonard, Damian Lillard, and Russell Westbrook. They all agreed that they would like to uh, take the court with proper safety measures once the league gets a go-ahead to start the season, if that does happen. Meanwhile, there are reports that a survey uh, was circulated among the players to see what kind of support there was for opening uh, the reopening the season. And it seems like the reporting on the results have varied. Uh, LA Times, I think, said that 70% of the players said that they approved or uh you know, so, you know, playing, you know, again this season or, you know, voted that they would want to play again this season. Uh, Associated Press, I think, used the word overwhelmingly in favor uh, the players were of playing this season. And then I've also seen some things saying, you know, almost everybody that's in a playoff race has pretty much said, yeah, we want to play. And then the teams that are way out of contention, those players have been more likely to be like, nah, we're good. We can just you know, chill for the rest of the summer. So depending on, I guess, who you ask, it seems like the Support is is varied, but it tends to be very towards playing. You know, it's not that there is a large contingent of people saying we don't want to play, though, as one person mentioned. I mean, if you're saying it's 70 percent, 30 percent of the players saying they don't want to play is a lot, you know, especially considering how dangerous these times are right now. Uh, Sham Sharania also reported that the NBA player uh, NBA and the Players Association are putting together a working group to strategize, you know, the steps towards restarting this season. So that was also an interesting note I wanted to put in there as well. So Kendall, with all this being said, do these sentiments that lean towards the players wanting to resume the season surprise you? Um, I mean, they don't surprise me. I think obviously let's get out the way that there's obviously financial, you know, there's financial uh, reasons, financial motivation for the season to be finished on all sides of the NBA spectrum, the NBA economy, um, whether it be just like day to day, you know, keeping up a certain quality of life, day to day quality of life, you know, you need to bring in some sort of income. And some of these guys uh, may not be able to hold up a certain level of living depending on if there's no season and they just lose if they, if they don't get their contracts, whatever. However, that will get played out. Um, 
And then even long term, you talk about the NBA economy in terms of the salary cap and you got guys that are free agents or guys that if they aren't free agents, like know that there may be a massive pay cut if they don't play a season and the salary cap gets slashed. It may be that also may be a factor where it's like, all right, sure, I can in the in the short term, I could be fine. But long term, my my quality of life will be affected. So in that regard, obviously, I think that that plays a, a huge role. In, in why you see these guys wanting to go out there. Uh, look, I think seeing some of these other sports kind of continue, uh, whether it be a WWE or a UFC or a, uh, which we'll talk about later, um, seeing those types of industries continue, NASCAR is going to get back at baseball is playing in Korea. Like, obviously, there's, you know, playing Korea, playing baseball in Korea is a lot different than playing basketball in the United States at this stage. But, um, you know, I do think there's some of the optics of, all right, you know, if these sports are, are kind of keeping, being able to keep their revenue stream, you know, why can't we type thing? Uh, whether or not that's the right mindset, you can debate, certainly. But, um, and then I think from a competitive standpoint, you mentioned the guys that, you know, I think there are a lot of guys out there that, you know, understand the risk and are maybe willing to take it. But, um but they're willing to take it if that means winning a championship or that means competing for for the playoffs. Uh, I don't think that that's as big of a reason as the financial reasons, but I do think that's a part of it. Because then you mentioned, like you said, the the guys that play on teams that aren't competitive are maybe a little less likely to want to be out there. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think these all make sense. Um, I You know, I'm of the mindset where if these guys want to do it, they can. Wouldn't force anybody to, wouldn't chastise anybody for not but uh but certainly you know as a fan of the sport I, I mean if they can find a way to do it in a way that's safe and you know and feels like basketball i mean i'm i'm, I'm all for it do you feel a way about the players the the star players kind of galvanizing like the illuminati a little bit um you do feel a way about it when I read that, you know, it was kind of like, all right, if I was if I was in the league, if I was Jared Dudley, if I was, you know, Wilson Chandler or some guy that's kind of end of the bench or <laughs> middle of the road, I'd be like, why is LeBron's voice more impactful than mine? Why is Giannis able to be on that call when I'm not? You know, I understand these guys are the best players in the league, but these guys aren't scientists. You know, I'm not saying that, look, there are a lot of smart guys in the NBA that weren't on that phone call, you know, like, so that that's where, that's where I'm like, all right, I, the optics of that are a little odd, but, um, but I don't know, but at the end of the day, it's going to have to come to some sort of consensus, I would imagine. I don't think it's going to be like, well, yeah, if, if the top 200 players in the league want to do it, but then the, the bottom 400 don't want to play. That, that means they're going to play. But I do think that it's uh, – I do think the optics of that are weird. I'm not sure how it got out. Obviously, when you have a lot of guys like that involved, someone's going to – that's going to get out <laughs> through someone. But um, if I were them, I would have kept that a little more under wraps. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do feel a way about it. I'll be honest because, look, when you're – any of these guys are just named Steph – LeBron, Chris Paul, Giannis. Um, these guys, 
are extremely, extremely media trained. They have a whole team of PR media people around them. So they know the media game and their influence on the, the what's the word I'm looking for? Um, the narrative. They all know it very well. They're not the average guy who just has a publicist, maybe, or doesn't even have a publicist. Maybe they only have an agent. Like these guys have whole teams behind them. So, to me, I, I do feel a way about them getting ahead of whatever, you know, vote that happened. Now, the vote, first of all, the the, the players Association is saying that it was unsanctioned. So, I don't know what that means or if I should feel a way about that, too. But, um, considering a lot of these guys are the star players or the reps for some of these teams. But, whatever. I'm going to put that to the side. I do feel like... I do feel a way of, about these guys getting ahead of that vote that we all heard was going to happen to kind of put their thumb on the scale. Because, as you said, I, I don't think that necessarily LeBron's opinion or Steph Curry's opinion or Kevin Durant's opinion should mean any more than the last guy on the bench in the NBA, to me. Because they all had the same tra- travel, whatever that travel is going to be to some kind of city or state to play these games. They're all going to be the guys who have been practicing, you know, going through layup lines, going through locker rooms. Like, they're all going to be a part of it. Now, maybe they're not playing 40 minutes like LeBron's going to play. But besides that, they're going to be doing everything else LeBron does. So, why why the need these guys felt to have to do this? It's like almost like, it's, to me, it's almost one of those things kind of where I feel like the intent is almost more insidious than the actual crime. Like, I'm not saying I'm not trying to say a crime was committed, but like, if you guys catch my grift, I just feel like you guys knew how you guys coming out saying as a group, even though you guys, it was a quote unquote private call. If y'all wanted to be private, it could have been private. Y'all wanted to just yeah. get out. So you guys knew like the impact it would have for you guys to say, hey, we want to play and how that was going to put a lot of pressure on Really, anybody else, really, because these are these are like the biggest stars in the NBA. I'm talking about to say, eh, I don't think we should play. I don't think it'll be. I don't think it's a good idea. And we've seen, and we'll get to Blake Snell in a second, but we've seen, um, you know, Chris, uh, sorry, uh, uh, CJ McCollum was probably the most the 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 most well recognized player who seemed to have at least a lot of doubts about whether it was worth it to play this season. And I know that I know he's not alone. And I know he's not the only star player that's not alone potentially. So it just seems I, like that that whole move to me was a little weird. It just, it didn't feel right. And I saw that story and I was like, okay, they've been talking all week about how all the players are supposed to do some kind of vote, and these guys band together and say, hey, we want to play. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's just something about it doesn't doesn't sit right with me. Now, it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, it's Nike, all Nike guys because we have a Under Armour, a couple of Adidas guys. So it's not, you know, it's, you know, uh, uh, what's Kawhi Leonard, uh, New Balance or whatever. So, you know, it's it's not, you know, it's not like, oh, these Nike guys are banded together or any shoe company banded together. These are, you know, an eclectic group of MMA players. But, yeah, it just felt too Illuminati-ish to me. Something about this doesn't smell right. Yeah, and I mean, I guess to play the devil's advocate in defense of these guys, I mean, some may look at it and say, well, 
and we have no way of knowing this, but some may say, all right, but the guy on the bottom of the bench or the back or the back of the bench may be more likely to want to play financially because they have they have probably even though even though they you know technically they have less to lose they may not be able to, to withhold or withstand the financial blow more than someone like LeBron. Like LeBron, it probably will be fine even if there was no season. Even he could never play another game in his life, it would be fine. Some of these other guys might be playing more so pay that paycheck to paycheck. So that could also be the the the, the other side of it is like, well, yeah, we look to those guys because those are the guys that are really kind of kind of playing for no reason. You know, so that, that that I guess that's the other way of looking at it. I do think it should still find a way to make it a more collective conversation, you know, so that we have that confirmation. But I do think financially that could be the other way of looking at it. Yeah, that's fair. And I thought about that too. Um, I do feel like though, it, it, it I think it skews different when you're talking about health. I think that's where my yeah. my thing kind of feels weird. It's like okay, that's fair. But at the end of the day. We're still talking about people's health. And even if it's not the majority of the guys who on the bench who feel like they don't want to play, like maybe they, they all feel like, yeah, I want to get that check. But even if it's a few guys who don't feel like they want to play, I don't need this coordination. Like, what's with the court? Like, why would you need to do that? What is the benefit to that? And that's where I get into the insidious nature of it potentially, which kind of feels wrong. I think the motivation for the whole kind of the Voltron forming of this group is I think it's uh, I think it's not necessarily put pressure on other players, but I think it's more so to put pressure on Adam Silver, put pressure on the owners to say we all want to play. Don't worry about us, which may not be again, may go to your thing of like you can say don't worry about us. But what if, you know, again, I'm Maxi Kleber. What if I'm like, no, I don't want to play. Worry about me, <laughs> you know, like. So that I think I think the messaging is more so to say to the owners, let's get this done. We want to play. Uh, you guys, you guys want to, you guys want to make money. Um, let's get this thing done. I, you know, I think that there is certainly going to be lines in terms of like what contracts will look like, what will uh, in terms of you know collective bargaining, like how will you decide. All right, what is a risk that players are willing to take and what is uh, a risk that it falls on the shoulders of the organization in terms of liability? Um, that certainly will have to be bargained. I don't know what uh, some of the other places are doing, some of the other leagues are doing, but um, and obviously destinations and whether it's in Orlando and how that all that stuff will be worked out, but... Um, I mean, this NBA thing is interesting. I, I I think the way the way it's playing out. Again, we talked about this. We talked about this the last couple of times. We've talked about it. You can't really predict anything. Thing can change. Nothing is set in stone. But as of today, I think it seems like their their plan and their the way they're moving is to be ready to play games at some point. Um, finish finish this season in whatever form that takes. Uh, my guess would be Orlando, but. Um, I actually found it interesting that uh, apparently there's been I, I read according to uh, Chris Sheridan, who a uh, longtime NBA writer, scoop guy, uh, said that there's been a lot of a lot of action in Vegas in terms of uh, betting uh, for the Brooklyn Nets to win the championship this season. So 
Yeah, because there's a word. And I think it is interesting, we're talking about from a basketball standpoint, that Kevin Durant was in this call. Because <laughs> yeah, he's, technically, yeah. he's technically supposed to be out for the season. Yeah, why, why do you care? Right, he should... I mean, yeah, I, I don't... I guess maybe for him, maybe it's a free bag, I don't know. But... Otherwise, <laughs> yeah. I don't I don't know why he would really have a say in this um, unless he was thinking about playing. And I don't know. It seems to have gone back and forth. I saw a report saying that, that you know, he won't play. But then, you know, Kevin Durant, I guess, you know, said that, you know, I'll be back when it's time, which, you know, I don't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> you know, he, you know, he likes to uh, sometimes kind of speak in codes and, and be what? cryptic. He said that during a Lil Wayne's Young Money radio, apparently. Great show. Have you, have you, I'm going to say, have you listened no. to that? <laughs> shout out to you. Shout out to Tucci, though. Um, yeah, shout out to Tanucci, man. Uh, the Nets are not winning a championship this year. Yeah, I mean, like, That's I mean, I get, happening. like, the logic, you know, in terms of, like, they're probably, the odds are probably low, so why not take a shot? But even if Durant was back, I, I they wouldn't be my top five or six in terms of favorites. Yeah, I saw someone, there was someone arguing, I forgot who it was, I was saying that the Nets are absolutely a, a, a contender for a title if KD can play. I just think that's crazy. I mean... The, look, the East isn't the strongest. Um, they'd but, have to play Boston in the first round more than likely. I think, could they beat Boston? Potentially. But even that, I think it's going to be very tough. But think about it, though, Kendall. Like, like who who... Who next season thought would have thought that the Nets in the first month of the season were going to be the best team in the East? No. Zero. No, not not even someone who thought the Nets were going to win a title would probably suggest that. They all would have said, well, KD's got to kind of get himself back into shape. And right. He's got to you know, feel himself out. A little time to, to gel. Yeah, Kyrie may have to, you know, get over his injury, and he's got to get the chemistry with KD. So the first month might be a little rough, and then and then maybe second half of the season or, you know, late, you know, going into the all-star break, he'll still pick it up. And then maybe even the people with the most highest expectations for the Nets would say then maybe they can go on and, and go on a great run. And that I don't think would be unfair if you thought that. I don't – no one – there's no way – that's basically what you're saying. If you're if, – if you go – if you're – you got to basically take what you would have expected from the Nets in that first month next year – and then put it into this season. To me, that like I don't know, like I, because all the factors that you're talking about in regards to why they would probably need some time to gel next season are going to be the same this season. And it's going to even be more weird because some of the guys would have took all this time off, and some of these guys are still coming back from injury. Like it, like there's no way there the no only, way they're winning the NBA championship this year. I'm gonna put that on the show right now. Zero percent chance. The only uh, thing that I will say in terms of that logic. To try and you know trick people into thinking that that's a good win a championship is look the case for the Nets is look everyone is going to be everyone's going to be somewhat kind of sluggish everyone's going to be you know somewhat rusty so that plays into their advantage of like Kevin Durant coming back and kind of looking like everyone more or less, more or less. that's now, cool I'm gonna take the guy I'm gonna take the guys who don't have a bad Achilles but <laughs> fair enough but then but then you also think about so when you take, if you kind of level the playing field on that level, and then you think, all right, what team in the league will have the best tandem of just pure hoopers? You know, shout out to uh, shout out to Ball Don't Stop, but just guys that roll the ball out, no matter who you're playing with, who you're playing against, in what setting, what weather, you'll take the shot with, you'll, you'll take a chance with. It's Kevin Durant. It's Kyrie Irving. Those guys might be top two in the league, if not top five. 
you know, I'm sure maybe the you know James Harden's in that conversation, and you know, obviously LeBron and Damian Lillard, but Kyrie and and and, uh, and Steph Curry, obviously, but Kyrie and Kevin Durant are also certainly in that conversation. So in this time of these guys kind of not being able to do much and kind of being rusty, like even Kevin Durant and Kyrie, like those are the two guys that I expect to be the least rusty, just because like of their just because of the way they play. Obviously, they're they're they, you know, shooting, you know, and stuff, their, their rhythm may be a little off, but those guys are so talented, it may not matter. So that would be the argument for the Nets. Again, I, I mean, I think in a seven-game series I, I, or five-game series, three-game, however long it is, I, I would like the Celtics' chances. I would like the Nets' chances. I would like the Raptors' chances, the Heat. Uh, but, I mean, it's Kevin Durant, so I, I guess I wouldn't rule it out. But do you think he's coming back? No. I don't think so. I mean, I think it'd be foolish. No, yeah, I think I, he'd be crazy to come back. From from Brooklyn's perspective, from his perspective, I just think after what happened last year and this almost same exact circumstances of you kind of rushing back to make it for a finals push and you getting hurt, I just think the optics of that would be very, 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 very odd. And I just think it's not worth it, especially for, like we said, a very probably minimal chance of you winning a championship. Uh, if it's single elimination, maybe I can see the the if it comes some single elimination tournament. But if it's something where it's a five to seven game series, like you got you got to remember, Kendall. Yeah, you got to remember, Kendall. This, this guy, we're not talking about you know. Oh, he's been doing his normal rehab during this entire time. Remember, he's been in a pandemic just like all of us, which means that we've and all been had, on lockdown. So he was he was isolated for fourteen days, right? So. He, it's not like this is a guy who he's been going through rigorous rehab like as he normally would have been during this time. He's saying, okay, maybe you're rushing him a little back, but he's been through the ringer and he can play. He hasn't gone through, I would assume, rehab. the same yeah. rehab. He, there's no way. for 14, At least for 14 days, he, there's no way he had the rehab. So now we know he's near, he, he'll be nearing the kind of the end of it, but I'm sure there's a lot of other work they, they would need to do to get him right. So no, this is a pipe dream. He's not going to play. If he plays... I think that'd be, so I think that'd think be that insane. Action on Durant is more so just people hoping that <laughs> just hoping that they get lucky. Yeah, I think people are saying, "Oh, well, look at this chance that Kevin Durant plays as we get as it comes, and it looks like you know July feels like the earliest start." Putting hundred dollars on the Nets, you win two hundred thousand. Right? Yeah, I mean the the money the money is the the, the odds are great for you because yeah, I mean if you got Kevin Durant, I mean I guess you're going to take your chances, but I, this is not going to happen. I'm not. I'm taking. I know everybody's going to be a little rusty, but I'm taking the guys that have not been coming off a surgery, that haven't spent a year off playing. I'm, those guys are going to be Like John Wall said, stop playing until next year. And John Wall got hurt before Kevin Durant did. Yeah. I know he was dealing with multiple ailments, but yeah. You know, and I, obviously his team is out of it. But <laughs> but still, that's the mindset you should have. Like, look, just come back next year, be Kevin Durant. And, and say all this without even putting in, okay, is Kyrie Irving playing? Because remember, he, his season ended because of a shoulder injury. What's his what, what's his well. what's his situation? We don't yeah. even know. I know he says he wants to play. <laughs> no about I know he, I know. I said he wants to play Kemba Walker one on one. I don't know if that means he feels a lot better now. But is he ready to play NBA games in in a month or two? I I, I don't know. These are all ben, questions that seem to be unanswered. Alex Brand came out and said Ben Simmons is ready to play. So that really certainly changed Philly's outlook. Yeah, I think if you're gonna put money on any team, I think Philly would be the team. Not because I think that they would win because they're a train wreck, but 
they're the team that oh guys are coming back healthy and they can actually right. they may get hot they they, get... they actually can play and they're not as rusty you know like I, but yeah so yeah I don't I don't I don't get the net stuff um let's move on to talk about uh, Mr Blake's now so the, he's a starting pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays a former Eight. AL uh, Cy Young uh, Cy Young winner and he now officially has become the most outspoken star athlete against playing in games this season uh, regards to any sport uh, in the America, in North America. So uh, quite the distinction for Mr. Snell. Uh, he said that he will refuse to suit up under a proposed 50-50 revenue split between the players and the owners for a shortened MLB season because it's, quote, not worth it. And I'm going to read you a bunch of his quotes from this uh, Twitch Q&A because, man, like you want to talk about being candid? <laughs> like these guys do these, you know, Twitter Q&As and these AMAs on Reddit and Twitch stuff, and then I mean, you know, they're they're fine. They'll they'll say some stuff. They're not gonna really give it up the way I think Snow gave it up in regards to his feelings about this. And he did not, uh, he did not get cheated, as they say in baseball, in terms of taking his hacks. He was swinging with the fences and let, making it known that he was not, not, not okay with what uh, is being proposed right now. He said, "Y'all gotta understand, man. For me to go, for me to go, for me to make take a pay cut is not happening because the risk is through the roof." Uh, it's a short season, which means less pay. No, I got to get my money. I'm not playing unless I get mine, okay? And that's just the way it is for me. Like, I'm sorry you guys think differently, but the risk is way the hell higher, and the money, amount of money is, I'm making is way lower. Why would I think about doing that? He later said, bro, I am risking my life. If I'm going going to play, I should be getting the money I signed to get paid. Uh, I should not be getting half of what I'm getting paid because the season's cut in half. Now, uh, it's important to note that he later acknowledged to a Tampa newspaper in a text message that those remarks uh, maybe make him come across a little greedy, considering, you know, he's a guy whose average salary is $7 million. Even if you cut it in half, he's making $3 million. And he did the math and said, oh, but if you do taxes— and now it's thirty three percent or twenty five percent of that. Well, that that, that he, applies he, to everything. Yo, know, he was doing the he was doing the Scott Steiner math, <laughs> so cutting the dollars and cents. It, regardless, you're talking about a millionaire saying these things when you have you know people working you know in hospitals working you know on the front lines of this virus who don't make a million dollars for sure. But you know whatever. Anyway, uh, so he did acknowledge that. Uh, but I also think it's important to note. And I don't want to you know try to. Like, do a gotcha journalism thing here with him. But I do think it's fascinating that in March, Snell told reporters that he thought the coronavirus pandemic was being overblown and told reporters, quote, if I get it, if I get it. I, or rather, if I get it, I get it. So rather a, a major shift for Snell from a couple of months. Though, in fairness to him, I mean, you know, maybe at that point in time, he didn't see the death numbers and the case numbers being this severe. Now that he's here, he's saying, I ain't touching that mound. So, Kendall, do you think Mr. Snell has a point with the uh, issue he raised and why he says he won't play under this proposal? Uh, I mean, I think that it, uh, I mean, it's tough. It, Major League Baseball is in a tough spot because uh, they have to play a full season. You know, like basketball, we thought basketball was in a tough spot and the NFL is in the best spot. And that Major League Baseball could kind of like, all right, they can kind of wait it out and stuff. But now they're talking about playing a shortened season. Now guys are, are frustrated about that. 
you know, because, like, what are you going to do? You can't just play a postseason. Um, so it's, it's, it's certainly a dilemma for them. Um, Blake Snell has caught a lot of flack. Uh, and you could argue, look, maybe the comments weren't the best. Maybe he could have worded things slightly differently. Defensive Blake Snell is that I, we talked about this. We've talked about this for the last month or so. Uh, we kind of even touched on it in the last segment, but I don't, we can't have people blasting guys that don't want to play because at the end of the day, not everyone's going to want to play and guys don't want to risk, guys may not want to, may not feel it's worth the risk. And if that means like, do I think Major League Baseball and the players that want to play should proceed without Blake Snell? I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, yes, he's a great player, but he's one guy. If it becomes fifty, if it becomes fifty players, becomes a hundred players, two hundred players, now it's like, yeah, you can't do this. But, um, but with that being said, I don't think that that means that Blake's now should be ostracized or should be looked down upon because he doesn't want to go out there and risk his life. I mean, I, you know, I, I understand. You know, I understand it. It it, it could be looked at as all you, you know. You're not, you know, you're not uh. You're not gonna go out there and risk it with with your with your teammates, and you might be a bad teammate. But I I don't know. I, I don't think that's a fair argument. So to me, I mean, again, could have worded things probably probably slightly differently. Probably let his emotions and his frustration get the best of him. But there is no right solution for this, Blake. You know, there is no uh, there is no magical thing that's gonna make Major League Baseball say, yeah, 162 games is viable, and you guys can get full pay. I just don't, I don't see how it's possible. So if you're saying I'm willing to play for, I'm willing to not play for nothing or I'm willing to play for something, then that's, that's the options right now. And I don't know if there's much today they can do to change that. So, uh, I don't know. It's just going to be up to the players to each make an individual decision for themselves. And if that means minor leaguers get called up to replace these guys, or we got replacement players, uh, like back in the Jordan days, (laughs) the last dance, then that that may be what it uh that may be what it means, but I I'm uh I understand Snell's position and he can he has the right to do whatever he wants, but it's up to him. Yeah, man. I mean, look, Snell's catching he's catching way more heat than I thought he would for this, to be honest. And maybe I was being naive. Um, and I want to that's why I, I, I phrase everything how I phrase it because look, I do think that there was a level of insensitivity to talking about the millions he makes and how he won't be making those millions um, because of the situation that it's not worth it, that he should get all the money that is coming to him, which is $7 million. Um, And I'm sorry, just there's no, you're never going to get sympathy as an athlete talking about the taxes you have to pay and how that cuts your 7 million to 3 million or whatever. Like it, it is a bad beat. Like I, I don't know who thinks that that's ever going to be the the right move to kind of try to gain garner sympathy. That was a foolish statement, in my opinion, to justify what he's saying. What I will say is, I think on the surface, I don't think anyone should be really criticizing him for this take because at the end of the day, one of the things we all have to remind ourselves as not just you know sports fans, but just as citizens is none of us really know how this virus really gets spread. 
or how um, how susceptible or how vulnerable any of us really are. Because as someone, you know, I work in television news, so I, I've been following this virus thing very carefully. So that should tell you something. I'm saying I do this every day, and I don't, I don't even know. And it's because this thing changes, and it goes from oh, it only affects old people to then people who are younger getting sick and dying. Not to the rate of older people, but still to a scary rate. Um, then it was oh, well, the kids are almost not affected at all, and now there's. Um, worries about um, some kind of autoimmune, you know, Kawasaki-like disease that kids are getting uh, linked to coronaviruses in 16 states. Like, I-, I can't fault Blake for feeling like he is risking his life. I've seen a lot of people put that those words and feel like he's being dramatic. But I just, I'm not going to be the one to judge him on that. You know what I'm saying? Because do I think that his risk is as high as someone who's working at a uh, as a nurse or working, you know, as a, you know, as an EMT or anything like that. No, I don't think his risk is as high. I don't think, I, I wouldn't think so. But again, I don't really know because again, if you follow this, you'll see that in New York city, the people, uh, who have been catching coronavirus recently, um, they really haven't been medical professionals. Those people who actually have protective <laughs> PPE, who have protective equipment, they have not been been getting caught with this, so I I, I don't know I, I I feel I feel for Blake Snook I know he's getting hammered by this and I think a lot of it comes from tone and I think that you know he's on a twitch he's being loose he's not really thinking about everything he's saying and how it may come across he's just talking and he, in some ways I kind of respect that candor um, again I think the stuff about I make this amount and with my taxes I'm getting cut no one wants to hear that fam I think the the fact that look. Based on the risk that's out there and the salary I usually make, in my personal opinion, I don't think that it's worth it for that bag that to me is not as significant to him. In some ways, that's, I know it may seem like he sounds greedy, but in some ways it's actually not greedy. Because him is just like, look, I make enough money. I don't need, I don't need that bag. That bag is not good for me. (laughs) You know, and like, for me, again, for me, I in some ways kind of respect that. I know some people are kind of taking it the backwards way and say, oh, this guy is greedy. He wants Every dime and nickel he's supposed to be owed, even though he won't play all the games he's owed, he's supposed to play, which is fair. But I almost wrecked the guy that's like, look, I don't need that bag. I can just sit home. And what am I supposed to tell him? Yeah. You know, so yeah. So it's, it's, it's complicated. You know what I'm saying? That's I think, the overall takeaway from this for me is it's a complicated situation. Um, but I, I don't think that really we should be shaming anyone who feels one way or the other. If you want to go out there and play. Uh, for pennies, then, you know, I know Mark Teixeira was starting to get... Now, Teixeira, I will say, I I think that he sounded a little ridiculous to me Um, in his comments. He was like, I'll play for pennies on the dollar if it means I'm inspiring people. I mean, that that just seemed like, okay, good for you, fam, but you can't put that on anybody else. And I think that's my my feeling about it. That's kind of why I feel like Snell... Like, it's unfair to me that Snell's getting way more heat than Teixeira got. I know Teixeira did get some heat from some current players because that was ridiculous to put that on the players to feel like they should do that when you don't play but i i I do feel like snell is not saying the league shouldn't resume he's not saying that you know everybody shouldn't play he's saying i'm not going out there if those are the parameters and again that's his personal choice i mean if i was a if you're a race fan you may feel upset about that because now you feel like oh man my team 
it's not going to be as good. But, I mean, I don't know. At the end of the day, it's all sports, man. Like, I think we love this stuff and we're passionate about it. But if there's anything I've taken away from this is you got to put a lot of stuff we have in life in correct perspective. And, no, I'm not going to go crazy because a guy throws a baseball very good. Says, I have, I don't want to play because I don't want to catch coronavirus. If that's how he feels, man, well, all right. I don't, regardless of why, whether it's because I'm not getting enough money because it's dangerous. If you don't want to play, you don't want to play. I think baseball will be fine if he doesn't play. Um, I, I can't, I can't tell for sure if he um, represents a larger portion of players who feel that way. I don't from, what I heard, from what I heard, there are other players that feel like he does, mm-hmm. which I mean makes makes sense. Um, doesn't mean they won't play. Doesn't mean they're going to boycott. But if they do, they have the right to. Um, you know, like I. I because again, what ha- what happens to somebody who decides that I'm not playing? Like, what happens to them? Are they just suspended for the year? Like, what what is uh, their deal? Are they on the active roster? Like, I, they would. I mean, I don't understand if they wouldn't get paid personally, but uh, and I don't really think it's much of a punishment. I think it's more of a reward for the guys that do play. But um, I, for me, I think that it comes to well, one, I think. Major League Baseball, in terms of losing particular guys, there's not one player that if he wasn't out there, they would be, they wouldn't be able to recover. Because the point of this is not necessarily we need to see certain players out there. It's more so we need baseball in general. You know, baseball doesn't really have a, uh, you know, a, a, a LeBron James or a Steph Curry or a, you know, Tom Brady, Conor McGregor. You know, they have guys. That, yeah, in regards to like. Uh... You know, notoriety. Like, I yeah. mean, you know, Trout is as good as those guys, but yeah, Trout's of, great. And, in terms know, of being, you know, the guys, star off the yeah, field, right? Stars. But uh, guys that guys that if they weren't out there, a lot of people would notice. Uh, fans of the teams would notice, but just casual viewers, which there will be plenty of more casual viewers now than there are usually. So that's what I don't think they're worried about. I think they're worried about just having a collection of majority of the players in the league, and I think. This is going to hurt more so, just like we talked about the last discussion. I think suddenly Blake Snell, if he feels like this, you know it's going to be the guys that, again, are on that bottom contract that feel like, man, like, I'm only making 200, you know, I'm only making 2 million anyway. I'm only making a million anyway. Cut that in half, divided by three, and now what am I making? You know, 200,000? So, like, those are going to be guys that get affected a little bit more, the guys on the rookie contracts and things of that nature. So, um, that, I mean, that, that's that's where we're at, and I, I think, you know, obviously we all hope baseball comes back, and I, I think it will, but some things still have to be bargained. Yeah, man, we're going to see what happens. Uh, shout out to Blake Snell. Um, uh, he's going to have to figure out something because one thing I have seen for sure is <clears throat> um, there is massive motivation to get this bag for these uh, owners of these leagues. Like They're going to get it. Uh, by hook or crook so there's gonna be a standoff i think um i don't know how strongly blake snell feels you know when push comes to shove because i think that there will be some pushing and then there will be some shoving because it sounds like you know lmb is just kind of come up with any kind of way to to have these games be played and all these leagues uh we're gonna get to a little bit of another league that's uh coming up with an idea or at least a network that covers one of the leagues come up with an idea to make these games that won't have fans more authentic but for snell 
you know, he, he's going to have to, you know, he's going to have to, you know, put his money where his mouth is once they come to him and say, hey, you know, league starting on Independence Day. Are you in or out? And we'll see what happens once that, that, that situation comes. Because if he does sit out, and I'll tell you what, Kendall, there will be guys who sit out in baseball and in basketball and in, in basketball this year. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make that bold prediction. I don't know if it's bold or not. But there, I guarantee you there will be guys who, who don't play. This certainly makes it more. Uh, this certainly makes it less bold. You know, once you have a guy, more more likely to happen. Once you have one guy say it, it means more guys are certainly thinking it. Uh, basketball, I think, is almost a guarantee because again, we talk about the way teams are uh, aligned. Um, if they try to finish the regular season, there's gonna be a lot of guys. Oh saying, yeah, there's no way that if they try to finish the regular season that. Some of these guys Anything playing for the Knicks. Playoffs are gonna have guys yeah, for the Knicks and the Warriors and personally, like and if Pistons, I were Knicks, some guys ain't playing out there. I mean, I want it maybe just to watch, but like, what's the point? You know, like so. I, I mean, I get that, but like, the question is like, and I think this also may be going to your point, but there may be there probably will be guys from playoff teams that say I'm not playing. It's not worth it. It wouldn't surprise and me, that, man. And that's uh. That would be certainly a spicy conversation. Especially when they're saying that they're going to make guys play even if there's a positive test. That's what's bad. Oh, yeah, come on, man. They're going to be guys who aren't going to play. There's going to be coaches who decide that they're not going to play. Popovich is like 70 years old. Mike Dantoni, you know, he's saying he's he's, going to be coaching with a mask because he's 69. Like, there's. Yeah, that's what I heard is the concern for a lot of the NBA team officials. Not necessarily, obviously, the players are concerned, but. You know, there a lot of them are concerned about some of their coaches. Yeah, and, and, and um, the referees. Most of these referees are old. Yeah, the referees are old, man. Like, do you uh, you can't really virtually referee a game. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so now that would be interesting. Yeah, See. can you have the referees maybe stationed at different parts of the court? Like, I, I don't know. Do they even have to be on the court? Yeah, like yeah, stage. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like. Have them like on the perimeter and just kind of call fouls and stuff. Maybe, especially since they're all going to be in one spot anyway. Why not you just have like eight officials or something like that? I don't know. Yeah, that's gonna be. It's funny. No one, no one's talked about that. Like, like, is there going to be changes to how like the game is actually played to promote social right. distancing? And to me, like referees are like the obvious, one of the obvious yeah. things. The 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 gameplay isn't necessarily affected. And you, you need less people in the court, as little people in the court as possible. Yeah, I don't think that I don't think that's going to change. I don't think so you either. Know, but like, I think it's something they should. I think mean, MMA. You know, we, we, we'll talk about that a little later. But in MMA, like the referee was still in the right. It was still in the right. In the right. That's one referee. We're talking about three guys running, yeah. around, running around and women because there are yeah. women referees. You know, so that that could be a little different. The testing piece is going to be the toughest part because, you know, do you test everyone that's in the facility? before every game you test them before every day like that's that's the issue you know with mma they 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 were they were confident that everyone that was in there had already tested negative the one camp that tested positive and they were that fight was canceled but um so they they felt a little more comfortable all right all these guys are negative we can go forward with it uh, of course, it doesn't mean they didn't get it that day, but you know that's that's the way that's the way they operated, and you felt a little bit more comfortable versus. But you're talking about Kendall, right now. We're talking about teams that have 12 players, um, yeah. you know, two or three trainers, yeah, um, a head trainer, 
you know, five coaches probably, a head coach. Like we're talking about, you know, that's why I was talking. That's why the Snell thing is 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 like people say, oh, it's baseball. I'm like, yo, he's in a clubhouse with forty dudes. Like, like he's got twenty five man roster. He's got the the all the, the the coaching staff. That's about you know five or six more guys. He's got the you know the the bullpen catcher who's not on the team. He's just a guy that catches for people. He's got the, all the the you know the park attendants and the ball boys. Like like you know, I get not being want to be around forty people. <laughs> like I like it's these are scary times. I'm not, I'm not gonna tell anyone to say hey I don't care. You're overreacting about the fear of your life. Like, it just, I'm just not going to do it. Like, I'm sorry. I think that if you're doing it, it's really unfair and it's ridiculous. People, I, we just did a story on New York One today. A guy who's in his, like, he was in, like, his early 40s lost his leg because of coronavirus. Like, yep. I, I'm, no, I'm not laughing about it at all. I'm laughing. I'm my chuckle was more just as a thing. Like, this joint is crazy. Like, it's, yeah. it's serious out here. So, I, how am I going to, how am I to say, hey, man, you know, I don't, you making $3 million to be enough for you to go play baseball. I, I'm not gonna be one to say that. You could feel that way, but you ain't gonna you ain't gonna find that opinion on this show. At least not for me. So I don't know, man. I I, I get it. I get I get the fear. But um, I did mention earlier about uh some um workarounds that leagues and and networks are doing for the viewing experience of these games that could be in empty arenas. Uh, and Joe Buck uh, kind of gave it up a little bit in terms of what Fox's approach is going to be. Uh, the NFL player play commentator said the network is likely to pump in artificial crowd noise if the NFL moves forward with uh, this year's games without fans in the stands. Buck told Sirius XM it's pretty much a done deal, adding that whoever gets the gig for deciding what the authentic crowd noise, uh, what what the, what crowd noise should happen during specific moments in the game will likely face heavy criticism. Um but he says that uh, Fox is also apparently looking for a way to digitize fans in the stands, so it looks like the stadiums will be packed with people, even though they're empty. So Kendall, I was gonna say is it's gonna work, but you're already clapping, so I think you're 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 on board. It looks like. Yeah, I mean i I've been the, I've been the guy for months, pretty much since WrestleMania when we kind of had the first first sporting event without fans, uh, saying that fans should be all that uh crowd noise should be piped in by whether it be the the arena or the or the venue i should say probably gonna be arenas but the venue or the uh network that a crowd noise should be pumped in uh i think you kind of eliminate some of the awkwardness of some of these sports without having not having fans if you do that um i mean judging the korean baseball league Watching those games has been fine. I think without fans, um, it just looks like a boring baseball game. It just looks like you know a game between the the Orioles and the the the, the Tigers. You know, like <laughs> not to not to not to rag on those teams, but that's that's what it looks like. It looks like a team. It looks. Like, it just looks like a normal game where you know there aren't that many fans there. So, um, I think baseball can survive. I think basketball and football are, are going to be tough. You know, in terms of the uh, in terms of kind of the, the, the layout and how it will play. Uh, personally, I would find a way to play all NFL games indoors, but mm. that's just me. I I just think that that would be best for 
I think the no crowd thing would be less noticeable if we were all if the, all the games were played in a dome. Um, I don't know. I haven't heard that idea out there, I, but I think these teams are still kind of hoping that fans can be there. So I think that, that that's why they're like not going with it, and they're not. The NFL hasn't really talked about the whole centralized location thing yet. Uh, I think eventually they will, but um, assuming if if they were to get to that point, I think. Like they should all play in domes, and if you do that, then the whole then the crowd noise factor becomes very viable, you know, because domes a lot of some of these domes already kind of can pipe in crowd noise, right. uh, although they won't get to it. So, um, yeah, the digitizing fans thing, I think that's probably a step that is unnecessary. Uh, I know there are no fans there. You know there are no fans there. Well, I don't know what's the point. What are you trying to trick? Like some fool, like we all know there are no fans. There, so what's the what's the what's the trick? I guess it's just more. I don't know if it's like a mental health thing. You feel like people be more kind of enjoyable to watch if we think that they're fans. Or it kind of looks like they're fans, so we can kind of still feel like it's football. But I mean, I know, so I'm not gonna. You know, I I didn't think it's. Now you can talk about the crowd noise kind of having the same idea of trying to trick people, but I think it's more so also like a competitive thing, a viewing experience thing. That I think, I think there should, you know, I just think it would be awkward, you know, like the a lot of the point of football. Sometimes you're in a you're in a situation where the defense can't hear your calls, or you your your own team can't hear your calls, like so, you know, or the quarterback can't hear the the can't hear the offensive coordinator, they can't hear the head coach from the sideline. Like there are a lot of a lot of variables that I don't know if it should be dead silent. Is my point. I'm not saying it should be so loud that no one can hear each other, so that you know it's like play like it's in Seattle every week, but uh, just enough to where there is some sort of semblance of realism. You know, I mean, like I don't know. I, I, and somebody look, these crowd noise machines can get louder than we think. So I, I, I think there there will be situations where players will not be able to hear. Yeah, know? I was gonna say you you you've obviously you know been a part yeah, of the organization. They they do the Eagles do the Eagles do crowd noise machines and what is that like how how similar yeah. is it to being on the on the sidelines or on the field at link at the link? Yeah, so I mean the the crowd noise machine in Philly, you know, typically be used to prepare for teams that you know are playing. Uh, if you're playing on the road, you know that type of thing. Or if you're playing indoors, uh, they would use they would use those types of machines, and they like if there's one it, like for example, if the guy who's operating the crowd noise machine has to wear earplugs if he's standing next to it, mm, like okay. you know, like he can't you because can, once you blast at a certain level, you know, it gets to a point where it's gonna mess your ears up if you're standing too close. So um, it's 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 definitely strong. You could be standing on one side of the field. Uh, and the machine could be on the other side, and you'll certainly hear it, and it'll hear like obviously there's a certain thing about the ambiance of being in a whole stadium where noise is coming from a surround sound type thing, but you can't hear everything. So you know, like if I'm talking to the guy next to me and there's crowd noise going on, you you have to yell. I'll put it that way. Okay, I thought that was a good perspective for the listeners who obviously not seen or heard from these crowd noise things now i think it's important to note i don't i think buck when he was referring to what he was saying that he was referring to fox i think on television right. it won't be necessarily crowd noise cool. in stadium which i know you've been promoting for crowd noise in stadiums 
Yeah. Uh, uh, but this would be for the for the viewing experience. But this is a he's a step in that direction. Um, for the for the people think, at home. Yeah, that's unnecessary. You so you, you think that's unnecessary? You don't think that? I think the viewing experience. I, I I mean personally, I don't care about the viewing experience. Like I think it'd be better for the viewing experience if it's in the arena, but mm-hmm. or in the stadium, but. I just think once you start talking about like now you're lying to me about what's actually happening with the with the with the conditions are I think that's a little that gets to a level where it's like I, I don't need that yeah or, I mean, that or give me a simulcast where I could just watch it raw <laughs> and I don't need all the bells and whistles yeah I, I mean I think we talked about it a little bit on the show before but I think I'm I think I'm anti uh crowd noise I, I think look man it's a bad situation and I think we got to find a way to kind of work around it as best we can but i don't know if tv artificial crowd noise is it because to me it's very clear when i'm watching football that the players are reacting to the crowd so um you know a guy gets a you know a quarterback trying to change the signal at the line and you know the crowd is really giving them a hard time like seeing him kind of race to the line and like demonstrably kind of give this audible signals to the line and to the receivers while the play clock's running down. Like, that kind of thing you can't really simulate with a crowd noise. Like, I, the crowd can be going loud, but if he's, like, you know, calm and cool in the shotgun, you know, changing the audible play, it's not going to feel the same. Um, you know, a player who may catch a touchdown and, and make a certain play, make a certain reaction to the fans after the touchdown, like, it just might be, I don't know. I think it's hard. I, I, to me, this feels like an impossible task. Like, as Joe Bud kind of alluded to, like, who's the guy that's like, oh, I got to get the sound for when it's third and long and the home team's on defense and they think they're going to get a stop, but then the the road team gets a first down. Like, what's the sound for that? Like, how do you, you, how do you change the sound? Who's playing that? Like, how would you know what to play? Like, I, like this seems, I just think it's going to be weird. I just think it's not going to fit. I don't think it's going to look right. As someone who does audio engineering to a little, a small degree, like, I think there's no way you could, like, have, you could have all the buttons for every sound, but I just think there's no way it's going to match the, the natural reaction to what is happening. And touch me, the first time uh, a team at home, you know, or a team that's supposed to be the home team, you know, throws a pick six and the guy, you know, puts the cheer mode, cheer sound instead of the booing sound, like, it's going to, people are going to be all over it. I, I don't know. I don't think it's worth it. Like I told you, I think that... I said this before, I think all these leagues, including football, but especially uh, the NBA um, particularly, they should they have to find a way to me to kind of shoot these games in a way that doesn't emphasize that there's nobody there. Like, there's a way you can do it. And I think Kendall made a good point about potentially playing in a dome. Because we see this all the time, but, like, uh, you know, like I think about the back in the day watching, like, Legends of the Hidden Temple, like, you know, Global Guts. and Like, like there's a way to shoot things, even if there's not a lot of people there. To yeah. still make it feel like you're at a big event. I was watching, I, don't know, I think it might have been like the 2K League or something like, it might have been like an esports event or something like that. And like, there's, of course, like any esports event, there's not going to be like, not any esports event, but uh, a lot of normal esports events, there's not going to be millions of people or thousands of people there. So, but it didn't feel like it. Like, it still felt like, oh, wow, like, you know, because, again, they, they, like you said, they shot it a certain way where you kind of dim the audience. Yeah, yeah, you do the lighting. Right, exactly. You know, you <laughs> just don't focus on them. Like, there are ways you can do it. So, I, 
I think it's harder to do outside. It is harder. I would agree. That's why I I think your idea that all the games you played indoors is a good one. I agree with that. I think because I think you can do that indoors. Yeah. Outdoors, I think think you're you're kind of beholden to whatever the sunlight is. So it's it's is what it is. Pins visually aren't as noticeable in the Georgia Dome or the Mercedes Benz. Mercedes-Benz Stadium or Mercedes-Benz Superdome, like, they're just not as noticeable. You know, obviously there are certain places, like, Cowboy Stadium is a little more lit, so you can kind of see the fans like like it's an outdoor stadium, but mm-hmm. certain places are a little darker, and you kind of don't notice them, even though the crowd is, I mean, you can certainly hear them in New Orleans and Atlanta, but you don't see them as much, so. Now, I guess there would be so some concerns with something like football, where, like, you're tracking a ball in the air a lot, like, you know, that might, might, present some challenges about okay we can dim certain areas but if like you know what if the players can't see the ball coming from a certain area because you dimmed the, the the stand so low or to the point where they were black right. that maybe that actually messes with the game so i mean look man we're, we're in the darkest timeline we're, we're all trying to find crazy things they're going to be pitfalls everything but it is something i just thought about yeah like these arena football games don't have you know right Fifty thousand people. They're playing like NBA arenas, but even those probably aren't full. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I think that there is there's something they could do. I'm. I know you're, you're a pro pump crowd noise, uh, and you don't you don't agree with the, the whole digit, digitized. Oh thing. no, that's ridiculous. The digitized fans thing is straight out of that. Like whenever you see like Fox Sports does like their like uh, robot guy, you know, doing football moves. Right, like that's that, like I mean, like that. Yeah, like that looks ridiculous. Like you're gonna do that in real NFL game? Like I don't, I, I don't know. I think that there's you want to do that for the XFL, fine. But that's not something you do for an NFL game. I don't think it just makes it look cartoony. Is there? Is there? Is it crazy for me if they like in terms of going back to crowd noise? Like they had it for the NFL draft, where they had you know look like ten people who were designated fans to cheer when their team came up is it crazy for me to think that could they try to do that from like an nfl perspective by saying hey like we're gonna look for twenty thousand people because i don't think you would need the the hundred seventy thousand like you would only need you might not even need twenty thousand because you could just multiply the noise as much as you want but we want a thousand people to be dedicated fans for this game like you're gonna be on the microphone You'll be on Skype or whatever, and like you're gonna be the crowd to this game. Like, could that work potentially? Like, I think to me that sounds way more feasible than this, where some I mean, guys look, making somehow to... pumping in the noise and putting the right. Like to me, just have some have people mic'd up watching the game. Like, how low would they be? They'd have to be very low, right? Just like in a regular... I think there's a way, yeah. You have to find a way to make it where you can't make out words they're saying, per se. But, like, ambient noise, like, they're gonna... Like, I think they can... I think scientifically it can be done. I guarantee... And I know it's tough because who... What's... What, you know, sound guy are you finding? But I think scientifically, people who study sound waves and stuff, I guarantee you that they could make that work. They could make that work. Where they could make a thousand people who are mic'd up who are dedicated fans of the game, sound like a crowd. Another thing that's being discussed is the idea of, and apparently being worked worked on as of right now, uh, is virtual reality experiences, which I think could be cool. And if you did that, then that would absolutely make it even more 
possible for those fans to feel like they actually are at the game. That's fair as well. And you can have it where the NFL says, all right, for season ticket holders, like, if you want to do this, you can sign up for it and have it to where they can ship the equipment to your home. The NFL got the money. They want to do the work. <laughs> they ship the equipment to your home and say, here, you're a dedicated fan this week. Like, you know, we need you to watch the game and, like, cheer and boo and do everything, like, as you normally would. And... I don't know. I, I I would be I would be curious. I know it. Some I mean, living in I'm sure if you live in you know I don't know Jacksonville or Kansas City. I know Kansas City is not a small city, but you no, know, those cities probably easier for you to make all the noise you want in your house. I don't know if you're living in New York City where you know you're living in a building with a bunch of other people. If people want to hear you yelling and screaming <laughs> for three hours, uh, but I I I almost wonder if that is more possible than pumping in, having a person as an audio operator pumping in audio and be, making the right sounds. I don't know. I think that seems too difficult. And the visualized fan things sound something straight out of, like, I don't know, Back to the Future. I can see ESPN and Fox and these networks, like, also having cameras in people's, like, places watching the game. Like, you know. Yeah, they could do that for sure. Or whatever, or, like, you're looking at some Chiefs fans watching the game and them like going crazy and stuff like. Yeah, they'll definitely do that. They won't go. They won't. They won't go to live feeds because they don't want people, you know, doing something stupid or whatever. But right, yeah. But then going back to people's reactions, of course. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely see them playing reactions to fans catching guys making plays and things like that. Um, last story of the day for this week. So uh, things are about to get a lot nastier between Zion Williamson and the Sparks sports marketing rep that briefly uh, uh, represented him. Uh, this past year. So Williamson initially signed uh, with Gina Ford in Prime Sports, but then sued her and the company to get out of a five-year contract after agreeing to be repped by CAA. Now uh, Prime Sports countersued, seeking $100 million in damages for breaking the contract. And in court papers filed recently, it is calling on Williamson to admit that his mother and stepfather demanded and received gifts, money, and other benefits from people representing Nike, Adidas, and indeed Duke University. To make matters more messy, lawyers told Sports Illustrated that it was likely that Duke head coach Mike Krzyzewski would be deposed. The purpose of all this, apparently, in terms of getting Mike Krzyzewski and getting Zion to admit this, uh, would be to prove that uh, Williamson forfeited his amateur status by taking the money and therefore could not be protected by the Uniform Athletes Agent Act, which allows, I guess, athletes who are student athletes to switch agents without having to be, you know, you know, married to some crazy contract, which it sounds like was the story with Zion and the situation he was dealing with. So, um, Kendall, how do you think this will play out, and does this spell trouble for the Dukies? Um, I don't think this will play out. Uh, that's that's so hard to say. Uh, obviously, the cynic, me, the cynic college basketball fan, will say. <laughs> how will this play out Duke being uh, accused of a potentially major violation uh, I mean I think it will play out like that Davidson will end up getting the death penalty uh, <laughs> that's the cynic in me uh, I think the, the the facts of the case um, look I think anyone that paid attention to this thing closely and fairly understands that there's a lot of shady stuff with the Zion Williamson recruitment it's been shady it was shady when he committed to Duke. 
who seemed like the le- the school least likely to get him <laughs> when all the smoke was surrounding Clemson. That was already shady, but, you know, I mean, it's Duke. I mean, it's not impossible that a kid would just decide to go to Duke over Clemson. Uh, but then you had the Kansas stuff where the Kansas assistant was, I, I don't know if it was via text or was wiretapped in an audio talking about, talking to the Adidas guy about, you know, <laughs> the Adidas guy telling the Kansas assistant Zion's stepfather wants a car, a house, a job. And the Kansas assistant saying, I don't care. Do anything it takes to get him to Kansas, essentially. We need him here for six months, eight months. That was already kind of shady. So you think, all right, if Kansas is willing to do that and he didn't go there <laughs> with the Duke, what does that mean? Um, so, of course, these 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 questions have always been raised. Um, I just it, nothing's going to happen if. This becomes another Sean Miller Wade Will Wade situation where they don't actually have to. If Coach K doesn't actually have to say anything under oath, or Zion doesn't have to say anything under oath. Um, now, of course, there you know some have said that. Look, I mean, Kansas apparently is facing major violations, and Bill Self didn't have to testify for anything. So maybe, maybe Coach K will be in trouble. But to me, I just think the question you talk about the motivation, and I mean, I. This feels a little bit like a Hail Mary from Gina Ford. It feels a little bit like a Hail Mary in terms of, look, Zion has no real reason to admit to anything. Um, you know, if he, like, this doesn't affect him. Or if he if he says, he if he says, yeah, I took the money, then, then sure. Uh, then it doesn't affect him. It affects Duke. Um... Of course, now you argue, okay, again, the state law of you can't go after amateur athletes, but he's not an amateur athlete, so there's that. But uh, just in terms of an image thing, it doesn't affect him, it affects Coach K. Um, but it, it, it's not a great look for Duke. It, it's not a great look for Duke. It's not a great look for Coach K. And I know, EJ, you've been one to always say that in recent years, he's sort of, especially in college basketball, he's – these pay-for-play scandals have way less weight because people don't care about them anymore. Because one, it's become a kind of a known, uh, an untold truth, and also two, because it's kind of a crooked system to begin with. So, a crooked system within a crooked system is not nearly as crooked as one a crooked system within a, a not crooked system. So, uh, or a straight system, I should say. People are spinning their heads from that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Certainly weird, but look, the NCAA is a sham, and EJ, you've always been one to say that. I have so, said that, yeah. You know, so of course, like these, no one's gonna care if Duke's paying Zion. You probably should be getting paid. Uh, I could already see the spin coming from Coach K saying, "Look, I, I look, I did what other schools weren't willing to do. I was paying Zion what his value was, and I'll probably get applauded for that." <laughs> but um, there's no way he will say that, by the way. Yeah, no, he's not gonna say that. <laughs> but. I mean, look, worst case scenario, I, you know, obviously I'm not going to invoke like a Joe Paterno type situation, but worst case scenario, like you don't want Coach K's kind of legacy to be tarnished in the, at the tail end of his career. You know, that's kind of the last time we saw that with a guy with Joe Paterno. Um, so that would obviously be unfortunate. Uh, but I got I, I to gotta give Dan Dockage a lot of credit. Dan Dockage. Uh, obviously, a loud-spoken college basketball analyst sometimes, you know, says some stuff that I don't agree with. A lot of people don't agree with, certainly. 
but he made a very poignant point where he, he tweeted about this whole Duke thing, or I don't even know if it was, it was certainly, it, he didn't mention Duke by name, but I think that's without the topic. He said, it would be great if our quote unquote Hall of Fame coaches spoke out and fought for the game instead of being on the bottom ticker constantly. Leaders like Knight, uh, Bobby Knight, Dean Smith, John Thompson, and and, uh, and John Chaney fought for the integrity and, and accountability in college hoops. Who other than Matt Painter is doing that now? Mm. Now, thing is, like, obviously, you know, he's an Indiana guy, so, he, you know, there's other guys probably that, that aren't, that are also... <laughs> yeah, but he didn't name the Indiana coach. <laughs> yeah. Remember, Dan Dawkins was... Played at Indiana. <laughs> Archie Miller. Yeah, so that's that's interesting there. But like, I mean, look, he makes a good point. He makes a good point. You know, Tide saying that Matt Painter is the is the Dean Smith and Bobby Knight of his era. Right. <laughs> that's absurd. He's the the standard bearer in college basketball for compliance. But, um, but it's a it's a fair point. You know, like I feel like. College basketball is a dirty game right now. We all know it. Uh, you know, we're all fans. Of, I'm fans of. I'm a fan of the sport, but we kind of all know what's going on. But the highest profile coaches won't comment on it for the most part, and when they do, they get a little squirmish. Like when Coach yeah. K FBI thing happened, Coach K was very was very squirmish about it. It wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't defiant. He didn't say we got to get the cheaters out of the game. Mm-hmm. He. More or less, said no comment. Yeah, he balked. Yeah, he punted that. He punted, and that's that says a lot because Coach K is never shy to chastise somebody. Yeah, yeah, tell somebody that they're not living the right way. They're not going about the things the right way. He's <laughs> he's the first person that's ready to come with that smoke every time, and he was very quiet during the whole FBI thing. And every time he was asked, I felt like he was backpedaling faster than Darrell Revis in his prime. Um, you know, trying to come up with something else to not talk really about specifically that, just talk about the whole game needing to be reevaluated, which was, you know, the language that to me was coded for, hey, man, we got to start paying these guys before the feds catch us because this is getting out of control now. Think about the guys, some of the guys that we have looked at and said, look, I'd be shocked if these guys, these guys are great guys. I'd be shocked if they were doing anything kind of, you know, kind of, you know, kind of shady. Have got a lot of those guys have gotten out of college basketball. Brad Stevens got out, never that mm. hasn't looked back. Yeah, J- J- John Beeline got out yep. for a terrible job in the NBA, and still, I mean, he left that joint because he realized that may not be that. That's probably not yeah, any that's better. Not, that's not the wave either. The yeah, that's definitely not the wave. But uh, Billy Donovan. Yeah, a lot of these guys just said, you know what, screw it, I'm just gonna leave. Even knowing that the NBA, the job security in the NBA is much worse than it is in college basketball. And these guys, they don't do that in college football. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not making the case that college football is a much cleaner sport than college basketball. No way. But I, the, for whatever reason, I think the, the, the water's a little muddier in, in college basketball. Whether it be they feel like, the, you know, the more people you got to deal with, you feel like the deals are more financed if there's less kind of there's less middlemen like i think there are ways in which college basketball is probably even dirtier so it's it's uh i don't know it's tough do i think anything's gonna happen to duke probably 
Really? If, probably. I, I'd say probably if, like, this has any merit. You know, like, if this has any merit, I mean, look, the NCAA seems serious about trying to get Kansas. The Kansas seems to be in for some major violations. And, look, the NCAA has gotten way more in recent years, way more uh, stringent on the whole plausible deniability excuse. Yeah, they don't they don't play that no more. They don't care. They don't care if you say, I, do, I never spoke to the guy, I never met the guy, don't know who he is, but your assistant did, and this guy knew, and your player played, and, you know, like, they, they don't care. So, look, do I think Coach K is going to get a show cause and be banished from college basketball? No. Uh, is there a, there a potential that Duke ends up with sanctions, mild sanctions even? It could be a scholarship loss or, you know, Coach K suspended for three games. We've seen that happen. And, I'm not, again, that's that's like looking years into the future. It's not, it's not going to happen tomorrow. Yeah. But I don't think that that's impossible. And I think that would hurt Coach K's legacy more than it would hurt someone like Rick Pitino. Which is why I, I think Coach K, which is why I don't think Coach K will be around when whatever, if there is a fallout from this, he won't be around for that. You think he's getting out of Dodge? Yeah, Coach K, I think that, I don't know if there's a college basketball coach that's currently coaching that cares more about his legacy and his pristine status than Coach K. And, um, look, I mean, the guy with one like, a thousand games, however many games he's won, I mean, he's earned uh, everything that's come to him. So I get feeling like I'm not going to let something from, you know, 40 years into my career, 50 years into my career tarnish it. I'm just going to bounce. And I think that's, that's, what, that's what will happen if it comes to that. Uh, look, how will this play out? It's it, honestly, I know it's kind of a cheap answer, but it's it's really too early to say. I think, you know, some legal experts saying that you know Zion has no reason to have to admit to this. So my thing is okay. Lawyers always kind of play a game of chicken. So okay, saying he doesn't have to admit to this, then why would they even put this out there other than to just smear him? Do they have some kind of underlying proof to say? Oh, if he's not going to admit it, well, here's documentation of things he got. How would they get that documentation? Do they have that documentation? Like, that's why I say it's hard to say because I don't know. I I don't know what kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, dirt this company would have on Zion and his family to to substantiate any of these claims. They're pretty explosive claims to put out there. And, boy, I mean, they messed up anyway, I think, to go this low. But, boy, they'd be messed up if if this ends up being uh, false. I mean, Jesus, that would just be just horrendous. So yeah, um, and I think that should be punishable by law. Yeah, yeah. This is joining true. Then I think that you know they shouldn't be allowed to represent NBA athletes, in my opinion. Like that's how hard I would come on now because you can't yeah. just be making stuff up because you don't like that guy broke your contract. Like go through the legal steps to get your money, which is what they're trying to do. But you don't do stuff like that. That's that's crazy. Um, but sorry, yeah. go ahead real quick. And that's always been my thing about this is they're just, again, the, the relevance. I understand, it, and, you know, you make a good point about the North Carolina law. But it just it does make me wonder, like, is there – there has to be a reason why they're doing this, like you said. There has to be a reason why they, they brought out this specific method of saying, right. you know, we had a deal with you, and you broke it off. So tell us about – tell us about Duke. Tell us about Nike. Tell us about Adidas, all that stuff. Part of me makes me think that it's about a settlement. I think they want a settlement. You know? I think they hope that 
Yeah, of course. Usually in these situations, you always want a settlement. Because they're not getting hundred. They're not getting hundred million dollars. They're not getting hundred million dollars from Zion Williamson. That's ridiculous. Zion doesn't yeah. have hundred million dollars. But even if they get twenty million, right? They'll take that. His career is in jeopardy regardless of what happens because it looks like they broke an unwritten rule of yeah. ratting. So, so I don't know what athlete's gonna ever sign with them. But they may feel like, or she may feel like, look, if I get twenty million out of this, I don't have to work another day in my life. Exactly. So who cares? So, so I mean. It's a strategy play. It's a Hail Mary. Uh, like this could end up all going by the wayside. If, look, she wants to become a household name and she wants to change the landscape of basketball, then uh, then she won't settle. She'll, 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 this will play out in court. And, man, I'll that would you, be I'll fascinating. I'll tell you what, though. I, I know I've been the one to say that a lot of people don't care about this stuff as much. Uh, anymore, and I do firmly believe that that they don't care about this as much. But if they would, yeah, I think this is a different animal with Coach K. Um, Duke is the most recognizable basketball program in college basketball, and they are the most hated uh, brand in college basketball. And a lot of that hate stems from this feeling of superiority that they impose. Let's keep it one hundred. I'm not like I'm tired of like I'm not I'm not gonna sit here and talk like oh like it's just unwarranted why people hate Duke. Like no, the way Duke athletes, the way Coach K, and the way they present themselves, they present themselves as greater than thou. And look, they've won a lot of championships and they've had great young men go on to do great things after their basketball careers. So they probably are greater than <laughs> than other programs and how they've presented themselves. So who am I to say that they can't do however present themselves however they want. But now when it comes to this, when people have been looking at the recruiting classes, Coach K started getting after he started losing. Um, and he was losing handedly to North Carolina for recruits and for national championships. And it seemed to be around uh, who's right the Kyrie. Yeah, Kyrie seemed to be kind of the turning point. Where all of a sudden they didn't win a national championship. Um, yeah, Austin Rivers. But then it, all of a sudden, not that national championship, where he did it with guys that weren't one and done type guys. He did it with just you know a typical Coach K team, which I think that that Shire Nolan Smith, I mean, that's probably his best coaching job. But after yeah. that, it's, like, they've had a one and done player pretty much. Yeah, it's been, and those are the kind of guys Coach K had his public remarks about him admonishing guys going one and done. The whole thing about Duke. When I was a kid, was those guys don't leave early, and when Elton yeah. Brand was the first one that did, it was a big deal. It was like, oh man! But Coach Case, I like, know what he's so good, he should do it. And then there were a couple of guys who left that he really wasn't all that crazy about. And even after Elton Brand, it was still the thing. Hey man, you don't leave Duke early, you stay. At least you stay at least to your junior year. You ain't leaving sophomore freshman year. Like that's whole. That's that's. And that if you if you if you somehow if you did. Uh, go to these other programs so you could leave early. Like you were like selfish, that you weren't really a team player, that you weren't really about winning. And so when you when people remember that history, people you know that history doesn't go away. And then despite this obvious change from Coach K, where you know Coach K is throwing some slick shots at Cal Perry about how he's run his program, and then he's pretty much took the Cal Perry blueprint and inserted it in Duke. So people remember all of this. So if things come out that maybe things weren't on the up and up in the recruitment for Zion Williamson, which as you will know, Kendall, and I will tell our audience, people who followed that Zion Williamson recruitment 
his commitment to Duke was one of the most shocking re- commitments in recent memory. In the history, yeah, history of college basketball. No one thought Zion Williamson was going to Duke. It's Clemson, maybe Kansas, right? Maybe Kentucky, right? Those were pretty, pretty much the three schools. Those are those yeah. are the top three: Kentucky, Clemson, Clemson, Kansas. Heavy, heavy. Yeah, Clemson being the hometown team, being like this seems like a done deal. And when he signed to Duke, it was a seismic earthquake in the recruiting basketball world. If we were doing the undefeat, the uncommitted back then, we would have we would have had to stop what we were doing and just do a new episode immediately that night. That's how crazy that was. Yeah. So when you hear that, and then you hear these allegations, people are gonna raise questions. People raise questions when he signed. Yeah. Before I, any allegations, there were no, there were no allegations when it happened. No allegation why he was playing. Nothing. We all were like, and the people were like, "How did that happen? How do you go from a strong lean in Clemson and the other two schools being Kentucky and Clemson, uh, Kentucky and Kansas, and then somehow he's at Duke?" We all kind of, and then you know, you say, "Hey, well, Duke Magic, man, the Brotherhood," and we just kind of left it at that. <laughs> but especially because memory at the time, Duke had. Reddish and Barrett committed. So they had two like, guys that, in theory, we thought played his position. position. Right, exactly. It was like, how are they going to play, you know, three wing players, basically? Yeah. Three guys, like, the same height, all trying to play the same all, try, all, all the top three players in the country. Three of the top three players in the country. All yeah, and he was, he was joining the two other best players in the country. So it was like, why would he go there? Why would he go someplace where he could be the man? And little as we knew. He was the man wherever he was gonna go, yeah. but yeah. like that was the thinking at the time. So it already was a there already was some questions about his recruitment anyway. So if this does become an issue, they're not gonna let this go. This is gonna be an issue for Duke. It's just it's only because how Duke presents themselves. If Coach Cal he went to Kentucky, the same thing happened to Coach Cal. And this whole thing they said, oh, he should have signed with us, but he actually took money from Kentucky. I don't think anybody would really care. I think they'd be like, yeah, well, they, they, fi- they finally got him. It was like, finally, all these years, we thought they were going to get Coach Cal. They never got him. Finally, we got something. That's how I think people would think of it. They'd be like, all right, well. It shows you, man. Like, Coach, like Calipari is slick, man. They, they can't get that guy on anything. <sighs> Look, man, he runs a great program. So I can say on this show. He runs a great program. He gets great players. You know, that's that's kind of the only way you can leave it. You know, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, he, he does he he's, he's done a great job over there. But player development, <laughs> I don't know, man. It's a, it's it's a campus life. You know that there's a there's a I don't know. You probably know this, Kendall, but if you download the uh, is J Cole's mixtape uh, Friday Night Lights, and there's a song on there. I forgot which song it is. Oh, it's higher. And right. he had a line there about cheating in Memphis like Cal Perry. He actually had to bleep out. I think because he got threatened with a lawsuit. Really? Yeah. If people, hip hop fans, do you ever listen to uh, the, uh, the 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 mixtape Friday Night Lights from J Cole from like 2011, probably? Uh, and he had a line in the song "Higher," which is one of the, the better songs on the, the mixtape. And he has a line that's bleeped out for some versions of the mixtape that you get. And he just says, you see him down in Memphis, and then it just blank. You don't know what he says. And I then I learned quickly that the lyric was, he caught him down in Memphis cheating like Cal Perry. 
So, man, Kyle Perry got some. He got some goonies out there. You can't just say anything about him. <laughs> yeah, I ain't gonna do. I ain't doing it on this show. That's all. He got Jay Cole to get that that line quick. That was him at Memphis. Imagine the powers he had. He got now in Kentucky. Yeah, I know, right? Go on, man. Shout out to shout out to Coach Cal. Yeah. What, what's, your, what's your what's your take though on Dockage's Dockage's? I feel like Dockage. Uh, I is he is he is he getting revisionist history on these guys? Like, yeah, he is. I think that I I'm not, look. I'm not going to be someone to 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 soil the name of any of those coaches he mentioned at all. Um, particularly, you know, guys like Coach Coach Thompson. You know, guys are the highest character. But I can't. I I just can't say for sure what guys didn't did and didn't do, and then poke. You know, wave my finger at the kid at the guys now. I don't know. I don't know what Dean Smith was doing to right. get the best players in college basketball. Yeah. We, I mean, he was all, he was still yeah. getting the best players. He acting like he was winning with like you know three star guys. He was getting yeah. all Americans. I don't. I'm not. I I think he. I hope he was doing it by the books. I guess. But like I don't know, so I don't know. I think that's kind of unfair. I don't know. Like clearly, yes. Like those guys were kind of seen as like the quote unquote clean guys. Their guys graduated. They never got any kind of sanctions or anything like that. It seemed like it seemed. I always say, say it seemed. It seemed like things were well. But yeah, it, again, it seemed like that for Duke for years until it, it didn't seem like that all of a sudden. And Dude, I'm not. I'm not going to be the guy who says that only the guys who. Get one and done guys or the guys that are paying people. That just seems ridiculous. Like, that's we not happening. care about this thing when we also look at, like, John Wooden kind of had some some weird stuff going on at UCLA. Nobody cares. I, I just well, think the I, difference you know, is, like, I think for whatever reason, John Wooden is way more likable than Coach K. Oh, John, John Wooden. John Wooden was grandpa. He doesn't have an air of arrogance that Coach K has. Right. Um, I'm not saying Coach K is arrogant. I'm saying that's the air that people feel about him. So I don't think it's going to be the same. Like I think that I think that people will be like, "No, this is the guy who said that everyone did things the wrong way and he did things the right way." And he was very um, he took he seemed he seemed to take joy in rubbing people's noses in how he presented his program. And look what he was doing. He was giving cars. He was giving trips. He was buying houses. Hey, that's super crazy about like, this, man. Like, like you can't be that guy and then and then get caught like that. Like you look crazy, and people are, gonna, are not going to let it go, no matter how people feel about Zion getting paid. Because I guarantee you, everyone everyone feels like he should get money. Like he 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 deserves anything he got. Look at what he did for Duke. Look what he did for college basketball that one year he was there. There's no argument there. That's why this is so crazy. Yeah. However much he got, whatever he got was not enough. But people can't wait to explain these hours like Coach K. They've been waiting for all these years. Coach K hasn't given them a reason, you know, until, yeah, I think he's made some stupid remarks over the last yeah, the three years. Yeah, three And, I, and I've, I've called him out every time he's done them. But for the most part, for his career, he hasn't given them any reason because he has run a great program. He has been a great leader of men. He has been a high-character guy. So, yeah, I mean, people hate people that are successful. And especially hate you if they want to remind you how successful they are and how they're most, how they're so much better than you. Like then that's gonna make people even more pissed. I I I will point you and all and all of our listeners. And I normally don't plug other shows on here, but I will I will point you guys if you if you want to get a perspective, a little bit of a perspective on what Coach K could have been feeling about this about college basketball in general. 
this was a couple weeks ago. He was on Colin Cowherd's show, and he was talking mostly, I think, about it was about the Last Dance and you know Kobe and stuff like that to USA. But uh, he talked a little bit about like whether or not he he regrets going to the NBA or would he go to the NBA or things of that nature. And like he makes remarks about college basketball that when, even then when I listened to it, it was sounded like he was kind of saying like. Yeah, you know, college basketball, and I mean, that's a whole other kind of animal to kind of, you know, it's like a whole other kind of, you know, issue, you're like, oh, whatever happens to the game. Like, he kind of made a remark that kind of made it seem like, yeah, like, the game is certainly dirtier now, and, you know, a lot of things, a lot more things to navigate now than there were maybe, you know, when he decided not to go to the Lakers, for example. I think that was the, that was the discussion, but... Mm-hmm. um and he kind of made a remark was like, yeah, maybe if that was now, I would probably do it. But um, I just found that interesting. Now hearing this is like, man, like he definitely sounds like a guy that maybe he's like uh, probably done some things. <laughs> he probably or maybe even not done anything because yeah, he probably has some level uh, protections and plausible deniability, but maybe knows about some things that maybe he kind of was like, man, probably doesn't feel good about, but knows. To stay competitive in this in this day and age, I mean the Zion thing it was one hundred percent worth it, one hundred percent worth it. Even if, like, even if he gets caught on something, as long as he doesn't lose his job for it, that he was so great, and that was such a great branding move for Duke that unless as long as, long as they don't get major major sanctions, it was one hundred percent worth it for them. All right, man. Let's get to the end of the show here. Kendall's court. What do you got for this week? All right, Kendall's court. Um. Mentioned it quite a few times on this show, but uh, uh, the UFC is back. Uh, UFC had their first pay-per-view in, it seems like, months. Uh, UFC 249. um, Main event was Tony Ferguson uh, versus Justin Gaethje, which was supposed to be Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov, who obviously beat Conor McGregor a couple years ago. In that high-profile fight, and has been the champion ever since. Uh, this is in the lightweight division. Uh, but Khabib was in Russia, couldn't get over to the United States, so they had to put in Justin Gacy for a uh, as a replacement for an interim title title uh, title fight. And it was obviously a high-profile event, not because there were a bunch of superstar names involved on the card. But even though it was kind of a deep card, depending if you ask to, if you ask MMA experts, they'll tell you it was a very, very deep card. But um, no real A-listers on there. But obviously the idea of, you know, the sport coming back, how that would be operated, there being no fans in the crowd, how does that affect the atmosphere? Uh, obviously, if you watch wrestling, you'll know the the ambiance and the, the atmosphere of the event has certainly taken a hit. You know, there being no fans has been a quite a blow to WWE. The ratings have suffered dramatically. You don't know if that's enough, if that's a part of it. I'll certainly think, you know, with all these people home, that you would think WWE would do better on the ratings with no competing sports, but they're actually doing worse. And I think it's because the quality is worse for the most part. So, um, but that did not seem to be the case with UFC. Uh, I think again, we talked about the lighting, like the way the octagon is, like you don't you don't see the fans anyway. Um, of course the crowd noise is a little different, but, uh, this time you just heard, you heard the trainers, you know, you could hear the trainers on both sides talking about stuff and, and you heard, you heard it the whole time. 
so so I feel like it was so I feel like it was a cool experience for uh for fans. I feel like it was a cool experience for the fighters. Uh, the funniest part was Greg Hardy, former we all know Greg Hardy, former NFL, yeah. uh, you know, kind of wild wild guy for lack of a better term. Um, now an MMA fighter, he won his fight, uh, and he actually gave credit to Daniel Cormier, who was doing the play by play and or the color rather color and color commentating, uh, because Cormier suggested something to the telecast. In, during the telecast that Greg Hardy overheard in the ring. And it was essentially coaching. <laughs> and so that was the interesting thing. Yeah, if, I was, I, if I was Greg Hardy's coach, I would quit. First of all, I would never be Greg Hardy's coach. But right. I would have taken the job. But after I heard that, I'm definitely quitting. I'm like, you listening to this fool on commentary? You're not listening to me? Man, get somebody else. I'm risking my life coming out here with this coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Come on, man. Uh, and yeah, all the guys, again, I mentioned earlier, all the guys were tested. Um, one fighter came up positive, him and his camp. So they, that fight was, was dropped off the card. And I mean, look, it was, it was certainly entertaining. Francis Ngannou had a, a lightning knockout in his, in his fight. It was probably about 15 seconds, just completely obliterated the guy. Uh, it was, it was, it was one of the better pay-per-view events I've ever seen in MMA, uh, course you know legally watched you know pay-per-view but <laughs> but um it was it was impressive uh I'll, I'll give dana white credit um hopefully they're able to keep keep it up hopefully all those guys that, that competed were able to stay safe and uh it was in jacksonville uh but and hopefully going forward they can able they can able they can be able to keep this going in a way that manner that's safe and entertaining but this was certainly an entertaining event uh, Conor McGregor already challenged Justin Gacy, who upset Tony Ferguson. That was also the that was also the weird part about it. That fight was great, but um, Gacy comes in as a as a replacement for Khabib last minute, and now Tony Ferguson has been training for a fight against Khabib, who's very is a wrestler more so. Uh, now it's to face a guy in Gacy who's not a wrestler. And now it's a totally different guy you're fighting. He gets knocked out. And <laughs> you kind of feel bad for him a little bit. But, look, it's a sport. You know, you have to, you got to be ready for everybody. And now we're going to see Gacy versus Khabib, you would think. But Conor McGregor now puts his, head, his hat in the ring and says he wants to fight Gacy, of course. So, uh, even though, and then Gacy in his camp is saying, look, Conor, Conor, we wanted to fight Conor five months ago. And he, or he, we, he wanted, but he wanted Cowboy instead. He wanted the easy fight. Uh, and he got Cowboy, knocked him out. <laughs> he knocked him out quick. But it's uh, now it's funny how that worked out. So uh, my guess is we will get Khabib versus Gacy, but uh, you know Conor McGregor is certainly you know waiting out in the wings, and we're supposed to be getting these fights on these islands very soon. So that's I was about to say that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, man. Fight I, this last fight, this was in, in Jacksonville, right? Yeah, eventually they're going to transition to Fight Island. Yeah, because because the Fight Island stuff that that's the that's the Mortal Kombat, you know, <laughs> formatting that I think has is, is, is raised my attention. Is, you know, they're going to bring fighters to an island <laughs> to to fight see who's who reigns supreme as the best ultimate fighter in the world. That sounds very familiar to me. Uh, shout out to Liu Kang and shout out to, <laughs> to Raiden and Shang Sun. 
uh, for putting that tournament together because that that's that's the that's the plot of Mortal Kombat. Um, I did hear so I did hear someone say that uh, that it was it, it was kind of like it did kind of speak a little bit to the times that we're in that like things are so dark. We have no sports. We have no nothing. The only thing we can watch is two guys in an empty arena just beating the crap out of each other. That's our only entertainment. Yeah, <laughs> like it kind of is like appropriate for like these trash times that we're in. And there's something kind of barbaric about it that matches the unfortunate situation that's that's occurred here. Um, not just here in the U.S., obviously, but in the world. Um, I did not watch any of this. I only saw the highlights. It didn't seem to me, honestly, that it was that bad not having fans. I almost feel like boxing and like UFC, I think, would be the sports that would be least affected by not having fans, in my opinion. I know yeah, maybe I'm not now. I, I, I do like boxing. I'm not going to say I'm the biggest boxing aficionado. Or expert, but I, I would consider myself a boxing fan, a casual boxing fan. Um, I would consider myself very, very casual UFC. I don't watch a lot of fights, but I will watch maybe the biggest ones. Um, but to me, yes, the, the crowd means a lot. And maybe someone who's an expert will say, "Oh no, you can't say that the crowd isn't as important as other sports." But I don't know. I think to me, like it, it, it doesn't. To me, it doesn't impact as much like the result of what's going to happen to me than. In sports like to me like yeah like a team having to go play in seattle i don't care if the weather is perfect like it's a problem like that's that's a, a home court advantage like i just think in boxing and ufc like yeah like some guys can be inspired by the crowd and cheering them on and that definitely helps but i don't know I, I i think that this is of all the sports the sport that i'm most like yeah like i don't like in terms of viewing experience i'm not talking about safety uh, safety is a whole other thing and We've gone over and over again about whether or not it's safe to do any of this stuff. But in terms of just viewing experience, just in the clips I saw, it didn't look that crazy to me. Like it didn't yeah. look like, yo, this don't, this don't look like this don't look right. Like it looked like guys are just fighting and there's just no one there this time. Like uh, maybe I mean, and to be fair, I did watch a couple of seasons of the Ultimate Cha- Fighting Championship, which those fighting right. those uh, those oh, fights, fighter, right? yeah, Ultimate mm-hmm. Fighter. I'm sorry, and uh, I think there those aren't in front of crowds. I think either. So maybe like I kind of. My eye was trained to it, maybe a little more than others, but it, it seemed fine to me. And the the only thing that was affected were the post fight interviews, which were probably better because these guys weren't trying to placate or play a character, right? Yeah. To the uh, to the audience, you know, to the live audience. So um, those those, I mean, that was interesting. You know, Henry Cejudo, who was is a champion in two divisions, uh, retired uh, Olympic former Olympic gold medalist. Mm-hmm. And, he seems like he's going to be. Uh, we don't know. He's only thirty-two, so we don't know if he's just going to retire. The point, the word was that he wants more money from Dana White, so and that he that was uh, that going into this, he he said he wasn't going to fight for no more than two million dollars, and that he didn't get two million dollars in this fight, so that he just was like, all right, then I'm I guess I'm retiring. Uh, some people feel like, look, he's going to get more money if he goes to WWE, so he's a wrestler, so. A lot of a lot of a lot of interesting things that came out of that event. So, uh, I'll be I'll be watching 250. I'll tell you that much. As long as there's no sports, I'll certainly be watching 250. Yep, yeah, we'll we'll see uh, how this whole thing continues and and whether or not. I to me, I think you know these other major leagues. Not to say that I mean UFC is major. I'm just saying in terms of major sports leagues. Rather, I think they are. You know, they've watched UFC and they've watched the WWE and been like. We gotta do something. 
And that's the feeling, right. is that, like, because they see the dollar signs. I know, the, like, the, the bag that they're getting is is still very insignificant compared to what they normally get for WB and for um, UFC. Like, they're losing a lot of money during these times. But it's something. I think these teams, these, these leagues feel like, yo, if they can do something, we got to do something. I, I I do think the problem, though, again, is that you're talking about teen sports compared to individual sports slash, I guess, sports entertainment is what WB calls itself. And I think to control the environment to keep it as safe is going to be a lot more trickier. So we'll see how this goes, man. Hope everybody stays safe. Hope everybody um, continues to, to practice social distancing and do all the the, uh, the guidelines and recommendations of health professionals and local professionals. Um, but, yeah, man, that's going to be the end of this podcast. So hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, again, you can catch all of our shows on the New Generation Podcast Network on now Spotify. Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And make sure, again, to check out that um, that, that, that interview we did with uh, Coach uh, Coach Cody Topper from uh, the Memphis Tigers. It's on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media, as well as those other audio streaming services. Again, of course, you can catch all of our uh, YouTube videos on our YouTube channel, New Generation Media. Follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, uh, New Generation Pod. On Twitter, on Instagram, New Generation Podcasts. On Facebook, New Generation Media. Uh, follow me on Twitter, EJ underscore Stewart, and on Instagram, Action EJ. Thank you guys so much for listening in. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.